This podcast is brought to you by lilybadcock.com and The Confidence Academy, giving you the confidence to be who you truly are. This is The Confidence Academy podcast. My name is Lily Badcock and I am a transformational confidence coach and I'm here with a message for you. The anxiety and overwhelm you've been experiencing is not something to be feared or avoided. It's also not something that gets to define who you are as a person. No matter who you are, no matter what your story is, I know that you get to live a life of fulfillment and joy. It's my absolute pleasure to bring this podcast series to you in collaboration with some phenomenal people from all over the world who have walked the same path as you. Together, we will share our stories, our challenges and our triumphs with the intention of helping you to see that it's possible for you too. Anxiety may be something you live with, but it doesn't get to define who you are or how you live your life. So stand by for some powerful conversations, deep realizations, and the occasional F-bomb. So get those headphones in if you're around sensitive ears and stand by. This is gonna be fun. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This week I'm bringing you a conversation with the amazing Tanya Hussein. Tanya is a transformational coach from London in the UK who developed something called Muslim Alchemy to help others upgrade their lives in the areas of health, marriage, money, parenting, alongside many others. Tanya shares her own experience of having a dark night of the soul, which you will actually learn ended up being many nights and not just one. Tanya now uses her own experiences to help others create epic transformation in their own life and she's going to be explaining how she does that right here in this episode. Please do come and join us over in the Confidence Academy Facebook group so we can continue the conversation there and of course if you know anyone who might benefit from this episode please feel free to share it with them too. Finally you can join my mailing list by clicking the link in the show notes to make sure you never miss another episode. Okay that's all for now. Stand by for Tanya. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, Lily Bangkok. And today I am joined by a fellow Brit, Tanya Hussein, who is just up the road in London. I mean, it's like two hours up the road, but still, it's pretty local. <laughs> Tanya, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Lily, for having me. Um, yeah, it, it feels lovely to kind of, you know, chat to other Brit coaches. Yeah, I love that. I love it. It's exciting. I, I love um, everybody out, outside of UK, but yeah, it feels um, with lockdown, it feels like, yeah, I've got a neighbour nearby. I think that's it, isn't it? I think that's the thing. I mean, I absolutely love that through this show, I get to speak to people all over the world and it always blows my mind when I've spoken to somebody that's like in Australia or something like that. I'm like, how is that even possible? I love it. But I do always get a little bit excited when I'm like, oh my God, like I could literally shout from my house. I mean, you wouldn't hear it. It's two hours up the road, but you know, it's a nice <laughs> idea. <laughs> it's a nice thought, but welcome to the show. So for everybody listening, Tanya is a transformational coach. She has a business called Tanya Hussein Coaching and Consultancy Services. And we're just going to have an awesome conversation as we always do. Um, I'm very excited to hear about this dark night of the soul that you mentioned in your application. So when people apply to be on the show, they just give me some background as to, you know, their story and what they'd like to share. And this feels like quite an epic dark night of the soul. So let's start there. Just starting with 
explaining for anyone that doesn't know what a dark night of the soul is just let's start with that let everybody know <clears throat> what we're talking well, about here I actually thought a dark night of the soul is like one night <laughs> whenever I heard the term <laughs> I thought it was like one night in my experience it was seven months it was yeah seven months of hell um and it led to the biggest I've had other massive transformations since then but that was the biggest ever and the others have been following on from that yeah I love that you've gone there already because I think we forget that often when we're in a time of struggle or deep pain it usually does end up being that epic time of transformation that's not always pretty and it's not always what we expect but we do always come through it in some way shape or form and that's not to take away from the pain we might be feeling in the moment but more to hopefully give comfort to anyone who's listening that usually epic transformation is painful because we're shedding what felt comfortable and we're being invited to, st to step into something else and often we're being invited to look at elements of ourselves and um you know experiences that we may have continually had that we may not want to have anymore and that is not comfortable so i would love for you to tell your story tell us all about that seven month period that you experienced you said it was seven months of hell so please tell us your story because i just know that by sharing that it's going to be so transformational even just sharing that story could be transformational for somebody listening so please tell us your experience I mean, basically, it started in August 2017. I remember it very clearly. I was in Karachi. I'm Pakistani. I was born in Pakistan. I married a Pakistani guy. And I was in Karachi visiting his family. My family live in London. His family still live in Karachi. And I was visiting his family. I was on holiday with um, two of my three sons and my husband, on a family visit I'd say visiting his family and um it was not the usual my, I was not in my usual routine I didn't have to worry about the school run and getting up I'm a social worker by profession I didn't have the worries of my social work job um I was um, you know I was being a lady of leisure really because in Karachi you have servants I didn't have to worry about the cooking and so I had like a lot of time on my hands and I found I found I was not yeah let me let me yeah th this this was me I have to go back to really time travel now and mm -hmm. I, I remember going to the family visit before I flew. I was, remember saying to myself, Tanya, you know, you've got to like be different. You've got to kind of not be yourself. You can't really say what you want to say. And because, you know, this is your husband's family. And, and I remember when I arrived there, I was like, I'm just going to be myself. I'm just going to say what I want to say. I'm not, I'm not going to modulate how I'm, what I'm, you know, feeling and saying. And first of all, I think I said that to myself, forget about who they is. It was like, I've got, I'm going to say what I want to say to myself, mm -hmm. like a hundred percent truth to myself. 
no more bullshitting, no more hiding from the truth. And then I started like saying it to my husband, what exactly I was thinking, what exactly I was feeling. And he was like really shocked because I'd never really been like this, like, you know, like saying what exactly is on my mind. And at the same time, I, 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 I love Rumi, uh, Jalaluddin Rumi, who's a Persian poet, a mystic. And I took, um, I didn't take very much because, you know, luggage and everything, but I took a couple of um, books to read. And one of them was his collection of poetry, very thin book, not the thicker ones. And I remember reading how, and, and that during this Karachi visit, we were just, you know, like, you know, doing the things that you do, you go out, you eat, you, you have a good time, you're going to restaurants, you're like going to people's houses, you're like, you're just like chilling, you're just relaxing. And yeah, while that was really good, I just found it really meaningless. It was like, and I read this, I mean, I wish I could, I might need to find this poem because I keep talking about it to people and I don't really give it the justice that that poem deserves. But basically this poem basically said that, you know, we, 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 we are born and we die and we eat and we sleep and we go to the toilet and, um, and, and that's our lives and that's it. There's nothing else to our lives there's no meaning there's no purpose there's no you know and the treasures that we have we don't treasure I'm not giving any justice Rumi is so much more beautiful than what I'm <laughs> trying to express here um sorry Rumi and it felt like because he is like a friend for me um that kind of reached out from you know traveled across time and just reached out to me and mm. I, all I remember, and I've never ever prayed this prayer. I've always been a very spiritual person. I've been studying Islam under a, a Muslim scholar since 1992. I met her in 1992. I've been doing lots of interfaith work. Um, this is voluntarily. Most of my friends are rabbis and pastors and imams. <clears throat> and, you know, I've led, I've led, you know, prayers and everything. I've, you know, facilitated Quranic workshops and, um, but I've never, ever prayed this prayer. And I prayed this prayer, I remember very clearly. Please, God, give me a purposeful life. Just, I just want a purposeful life. Just give me a purposeful life. I don't flipping know what my purpose is. I know I always wanted to be a writer, a famous <clears throat> writer. Um, I've been this social worker for 20-odd years working, you know, with the marginalised. I know, you know, in that way I fulfil a purpose, but I feel like this is not just what you want me to do. I know you want me to do something bigger and greater, and I flipping don't know what that is. And I just started praying. I was praying really fervently. And it what it led to those those particular conversations within me, and started to have those conversations with my husband. What it led to was me, um, and I think is very, very rampant in the in on the internet. This is very much this very binary paradigm, which is, you know, you know, there are two groups of people. There's narcissists and there's empaths. And um, the narcissists are like the baddies, and the empaths are the goodies. And I kind of, kind of had to succumb to this a few years ago. And, and then I kind of like let let it be, and I was like, no, this isn't really. This is there's more to it. And then I kind of was back into this, 
like, you know, my husband's being this narcissist and like he's not allowing me to be me. And no matter what I do, it's like and I kind of just went down this very kind of extreme paradigm with him. And basically, I didn't um, say it straight away. I was kind of just admitting it, what I felt was the truth, admitting that truth to, to, to myself, which wasn't actually a truth, but I'll come on to that later. And I just kind of started saying what exactly I kind of said. You no, know, I said things like to him, oh, you treat me like you're, you know, I'm an emotional punch bag and I'm tired of being treated like this. And, you know, you never loved me and all this kind of stuff. And we came back and September, yeah, it was September. Um, I remember it was my youngest son's birthday. I decided I needed to like physically not, you know, like separate from him as in like, did it within the house, went upstairs to my eldest son's bedroom he was at university at the time and I remember the following day my husband's like why wait wait where did you go why are you not and I was like um I've, ha I've had enough I, I don't know what I'm I, 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 all I know is I can't do this anymore I can't do this marriage the way it has been I just can't do this and I kind of a few years ago I'd done something similar like you know I was really upset with him for a lot of different reasons um and uh, I kind of then I always used to like go back so I've done this quite a few times in my life and I always go back but this time I was like I am not going back things need to change I need to I'm not willing to be you know like taken for granted anymore or um I'm not willing to, all, I'm, all I know is I need to raise my standards. I mean, I'm, I need to raise my standards within myself. I just want a different kind of marriage. I don't know what that marriage is, um, but I just can't do this. And I started having some conversations with him and he just, he just, he just didn't get it. It was like, what? Or I haven't done anything. What, what do you mean? And because I was this internet paradigm, this narcissist, empath was very much kind of like possessing me I also was kind of really like scared I was really scared that you know what they what these people call gaslighting is going to happen and god knows what else mm. and um, there were sometimes I had the conversations and sometimes I didn't have the conversations and I kind of locked myself in my son's bedroom for in the evenings still carried on with my social work job I still you know was doing you know some of the cooking and the cleaning and stuff like that and over time my husband's like like cooking for himself he started doing his own washing and um, the conversations like became less there's a lot of tense atmosphere obviously within within the household but then I also had like never had it in all my life like the luxury of time of doing whatever I wanted to do in the evenings could like just do what I wanted to do and I found myself I, that's where I found the online coaching industry which I didn't really know kind of existed you kind of probably thinking where was I living but yeah this is you know this was me back in 2017 and um obviously on some stage I must have subscribed to a coach's email you know list and you know she, you know she was emailing me and I saw this particular coach who's very much into this narcissist versus empath paradigm said she's on a online summit 
school, 22 coaches, you can have free access and you can like have access to these 22 excellent coaches or however many they were. Um, and it started, I can't think I remember, it started in November. Anyway, um, October, October happened. October and I was still, you know, like not refusing to kind of be with my husband and just having very, very um, snippets of conversation when we had to, and it was to do with practical matters because we still got three kids and we run a house together. And um, he went away to the States to see his friends. And I remember I was so kind of into this, like, you know, he's this, he's this, he's this. I remember him just trying to call me on Messenger. And I like just, I just kind of, oh my God, he's calling me. What do I do? <laughs> and I, and this is like my husband that I've been with like for whatever, 20 God, odd years. Like, why was I being like this little child? Obviously, at that time, I was just so in, obsessed with this paradigm. I, you know, just blanked him. He came back. And I remember when he was going, actually, he was saying, shall I get you any gifts from the US? And I said, I don't want anything. I don't want anything from you. And he, and I, I was just behaving like this real, little, little girl, very hurt little girl, little princess. And he kind of just, again, couldn't quite understand it. He came back and, and November was really interesting. My eldest son went and ran the marathon at Athens for charity. And my husband um, kind of thought, this is one way of getting, trying to get Tanya back. He booked the flights, he booked the hotel. And like for the, and my eldest was obviously going with his university to the Athens, but we kind of went separately to kind of watch him. And, you know, he was like, you know, this is one way she's going to kind of come back to me. And I remember, no, I went and slept with the kids in the kids' room. And like, he was again, still like, my God, she's like really adamant. This is like after a few months, she's usually back, you know, like after when she does this, <laughs> this is now like, I need to like take this seriously. And I remember he was so attentive to me, really attentive in Athens. Like, what would you like, Tanya? What would you like? To, where would you like to go? You know, like, you know, um, and I was like, just not having it. I was like, no, he is this narcissist this whatever and, and and just looking at all the and obviously in a marriage you have certain times that the person the other person is takes you for granted or whatever it happens mm. it's kind of that's marriage right that's life but I was like blanking out all the good experiences the loving experiences that we had and um I was just I, I was like you know, like, and I, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was uh, kind of like in this real afraid, like it's going to go back to how it is. I'm going to still carry on you know, giving and giving and he's going to keep taking me for granted. And I'm, I feel like this is just like, this is not how I want to be. I want to be this woman in this really loving marriage that married somebody that treats me like a queen and I treat him like a king and I just feel like I'm a nothing and like... And he, I remember he came, we came back and he'd, he'd been so loving and attentive towards me the whole trip. And I just blanked him on this journey back on the flight back. He was sitting one row ahead of me and I was like, I just want to sleep. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. All I know is I just don't want this. And November came and we came back. And I remember December was coming. And December was coming and I knew that my eldest son was going to be back. He needed his room. Where am I gonna? Where am I gonna sleep? 
and it happened that one of my colleagues was going away for a few weeks for for a holiday and she needed me to house it and I was like wonderful yeah this is brilliant and I you know like she was very kind of very sympathetic to my story I didn't like blast him completely but she was like oh my god that's so awful yeah of course you can come and stay and like you you can look after my fishes and feed my fishes and I was like yeah 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 and so I had like this other place to like go to and it was very 10 minutes down the road from me it didn't it wasn't as if it was like really far and I kind of took the responsibility of feeding her fishes and everything and she so I had like this house this house to kind of just chill and it was like the first time since I've like been married I've been married when did I get married 1995 and I had uh, one son in 1996 and another son in 2001 and another son in 2007 being a social worker and kind of just giving and giving and giving. never really had any and a lot, I think a lot of women can probably relate to this never really gave permission to give myself some time for me mm. without mm. having to give to social work clients or even had a private counseling practice you know like never any time it was like constantly just giving and giving and giving and the few times that I gave to me I this is what I do I write you know I write short stories I write poetry I kind of very creative and that that was like my me time that was me having fun me playing but those were few and far between and then suddenly I had this you know like access to a physical house and I remember my husband saying um like are you are you having an affair because I use this space and this time to get in touch with me like to um really kind of I remember even every single like breakfast that I had by myself in my this my my friend my work friend's house I used to kind of like just savor the coffee or the the toast and right eat it really slowly I kind of used to savor having a, a bubble bath um I had like this space I used to like just kind of like really enjoy just hugging myself and it felt like really weird but it was like I felt like I was connecting to the woman in me like I'd mm. never really done that before in my own space in my own time in my own way and um I kind of just it just sounds really like odd and weird but it was really kind of like loving me for me and and when he said that I was like no the only person that I'm having an affair with is myself I said that <laughs> to myself in my head and he just he just couldn't get it and then there were some other nights I literally didn't know if I was going to have a house over my head visit my physical comfort you know when coaches say get out of your comfort zone I literally was out of my physical comfort zone I didn't I didn't know which night I was sleeping at my friend's house there were some nights I was sleeping at my mum's she had a spare room Uh, and I just I used to go with whatever I felt like going with um and at the same time obviously he's my husband's like what what's happening what are you doing you kind of and trying to kind of like speak to me and I just kind of was like nope I just don't want to speak to you and there were like a few arguments it's like he just couldn't understand and I'm like no I don't want to speak to you and and then December that that was December and I remember New Year's Eve 2017 
we usually go to his uncle's house and he even came up to me and he goes oh you know you, you coming and I'm like no <laughs> I'm gonna have New Year's Eve at home and he just like looked at me like you know she's kind of she's like she's stubborn this one's really being stubborn this time <laughs> and and I, I just spent the New Year's Eve actually with my eldest son who was going out and I remember like I really don't know what 2018 is going to bring but all I know is I need I need to kind of go through this very dark be in this place of darkness which is kind of and I remember my spiritual teacher saying to me darkness is nothing to be afraid of Tanya she said darkness is like you know um, it's a very can be a very nurturing place it's like the womb when you were born you know your your soul comes into a womb your mother's womb which is a very dark place you don't have mm. a lot of light mm. so just kind of like see this this darkness as a time to you nurturing yourself and meanwhile I was listening to these like top coaches in this online summit and it was called breaking through your barriers by dr janine staples was the host who's an american online coach she's actually a professor and you know she's kind of and there was all these like <laughs> women um some of the few of them were men and they kind of were talking about how they had broken through their personal barriers some of them had set up coaching businesses some of them were authors some of them were like you know top movie producers and stuff and and it felt like my god and, I, and there was part of me was thinking I can see myself doing that I mean being a coach and like you know and then there was another part of me was like my god that they, they like kind of really I can relate to their stories and there was like so much inspiration and motivation and and I thought, my God, there's such a thing called online coaching. There's all these online coaches. I don't even know they existed. And maybe I kind of need an online coach, you know, because I've always wanted to set up my business and I've always wanted to be this famous writer. But it's like my life just has got in my way or I've let my life get in my way. And it got me to, like, think about hiring one of these coaches. And I remember December 26th, 2617 I booked a what's called I don't know what it was called breakthrough session strategy session with one of these online coaches and I remember she said to me Tanya you've never really ever invested in yourself like given yourself any time any space to figure out what you want to do in your life I said no I've never have I've constantly just given to my kids to my social work clients to my husband is like you know just giving and giving and giving I don't I, don't, I feel really I don't, and she goes well why don't you invest in yourself and then when she told me the price I was like what I, I can't afford this I didn't even know if I've got a roof over my head but it was like something that she said that like said no I need to hire her and I hired her and thinking I didn't even know where I was going to get the money from but I hired her and all my friends, because I wasn't speaking to my husband at the time, were saying, you're mad that she's charging this amount of money. It was, what was it? $697 a month for three coaching calls in the month um, and 24-hour support. 
which now I know is not a very bad, it's not a bad deal at all, actually. Um, but at the time it was like way, it was like, this this is way more than like, you know, I pay for my flipping mortgage. You know, this is this is crazy money. And all my friends were saying, like, you're mad. And I was like, but then I was like, there was something in my gut I was like, no, you need to stick with her. You need to stick with her. You need to stick with her. And she kind of was doing the, the coaching calls on Zoom. I had never really heard on, on, on of Zoom apart from, from this strategy session. And I was like, okay, all right. And um you know, I started working with her in January. And what, what was weird is <laughs> started working with her in January. And I can't remember, was it late December, early January? I got this inquiry because I do, I do like private counseling for people in the Muslim community. I got this private inquiry um, from, a, from somebody actually I don't know, but who actually knows me from the Muslim community because I do a lot of voluntary work for them. And she was like, oh, by the way, you know, my best friend, her son hasn't slept for two years and he, they're desperate. And we heard about you and your counseling. And can you kind of like, you know, get, you know, meet up with him and, and like offer your services. And I was like, okay. But then I, I realized he lived all the way in East London and I live in Southwest London. And I didn't have, I used to use like a room. I didn't have access to that room anymore. And I was like, hmm why don't we do this like on zoom uh, online and then and then she goes okay speak to, to speak to my best friend who's going to be paying you because it's his it's her son and so I spoke to the friend and I, I knew that I could help him because I've done I'm trauma trained I've worked with top psychologists in this country Dr Liz Bailey who's talked talk to me about trauma is all very much you know how you can kind of counsel somebody who's had severe trauma yeah. um so I knew I could help him and his story was that he'd been physically abused by volunteering for his local mosque and um he couldn't sleep um as a result of this he was 19 when I started working with him he had happened while he, between when he was 14 and 16 or something and he couldn't like sleep and um, he used to have nightmares about what happened and and uh, um, I just basically said to the mum like I'm not going to offer you counselling I'm actually going to offer you coaching because this is about we can look at the past but we can also look at his goals for the future and I really didn't know what I was doing but they were like yeah yeah fine it's like um, yeah I mean we know we trust you we know you we know your reputation yeah fine if you want to do sleep coaching and she hired me for six months. Um, she paid me, but I obviously worked with the son. And she, um, they hired me for six months. And by the third month, he was nightmare free. And I remember, because I work with involuntary clients as, as a social worker, most of my clients come um, from the court so they're kind of they're kind of ordered to come to me and I, I'm, I'm really good at what I do as a social worker I'm able to get them to kind of look at you know really difficult stuff but there's a lot of resistance because they come from the court but with this person I'm going to call him Momin that's not his real name that's not his real name Momin kind of just because he was just like so wanting to do the work it was like it was like so easy to do. It just felt like this. I'm like, I'm getting paid for this and he's paying me. And it's like, this, this is like magic. This is like, 
this isn't work. It is like, this is like a labor of love. This is joy. This is like pure joy. I used to look forward to working with him. And then after three months, it was like, he was nightmare free. And I kind of, I kind of used a breathing technique that I kind of developed myself. It just like came to me by my intuition. And I used that. I used a lot of my own trauma, my professional training. And, you know, I kind of got him to face his fears. And I was like, my God, I could see myself being an online coach. And I decided <laughs> to form my business. And I always wanted to form a consultancy business because I've got a lot of experience as a social worker, as, um, you know, working in diversity. And I kind of thought, let me kind of, you know, make it a coaching and a consultancy business. And then I was like, fell in love with the online coaching industry and kind of side, you know, looking at how I could develop my business. And meanwhile, I'd already um, hired this online coach to look at my own personal issues. Um, she was like, yeah, I can like support you. I can, yeah, let, let's like look at this. And then this is January. And my husband by this time, 2018 is... Yeah, it was all like, yeah, really supporting the fact that I've done this business. If this gives you joy, Tanya, it gives you joy. But he was getting really, you know, his patience was running out. He was like, what, what's happening? And you keep saying, you can't live like this. Are we separating what's happening? And I, and he, he even, I remember we went for a mediation service in January, a mediation service, lovely people, volunteers. And I was like, adamant that this is what I wanted I wanted to be separated I wanted this to happen kind of and he was like thinking he'd come for a mediation and it was like and he kind of went away I could see how heartbroken he was and then he even decided and this is he's a traditional Asian man he even decided to go for counseling and I remember <clears throat> We went for the counselling session, a marital counselling session near our home. I was shocked because I thought, my God, this guy, would, you know, before all these years, he never wanted to go. And now I'm kind of just wanting to leave the marriage. He wants to go to this. OK, interesting. OK, get, let, let's give him let's give him the, the benefit of the doubt here. So I went and um, I spoke about my own past and. Um, he was like what he was really shocked like to hear because there were certain things that I hadn't ever really said about my own childhood and how traumatic it was and he um emotionally abusive it was and he was like really he couldn't he didn't really I'd never really shared that with him and um and then we kind of like came back and the woman, I remember, she was lovely, but I could tell, you know, she kind of really didn't have the time of day for him. She didn't say it, but I could tell, you know, he could tell, I could tell. And he said, I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to that. And I understand in a lot of therapeutics, caring, caring spaces, um, really that the talking therapy doesn't really work for a lot of men. It's not, it's not... It's not the thing for men. That's not how they are are able to express themselves. And he's like one right. of them. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've heard this before. And um, even if the woman is being very professional, which she was, he he saw her, you know, unconsciously the angst 
that she had towards him. And, you know, and she was a lot younger than us. And, and there were lots of issues. <laughs> and, I, but I, in my head was, my God, you've gone to counseling. This is like, this is like, this is weird. And then I still was adamant. Like, I don't know. I just, I just can't see us kind of being together still. And I remember, I think, yeah, I think it was January. Maybe it was February by this time. Um, I remember this was this one afternoon. I remember it very distinctly. And I decided not to do anything. I decided not to do my writing. I decided not to do any housework. I was in, in my son's bed, you know, bedroom. He was back at university. And I was like, I can't, I can't. All I know, I, need, I just need to take a nap. I don't know what I want right now. All I know is I just need to rest. I need to like go back into this darkness, let it comfort me and just be back in this darkness and just, you know, I can't, I can't feel the light, but I'm okay. I'm not scared of this deep, dark pit that I'm in. I'm okay. And let me just be in this deep, dark grave. That's fine. I'm right down in the ground. And all I remember is I just connected to myself, my entire essence, my entire being, my entire everything. I could feel the, the wisdom and the strength and the energy and this deep, kind of, I don't even know the words, in my bones. And I went downstairs and I said to my husband, you can't break me because I am unbreakable. And my husband looked at me like, who the hell is she talking to? And I realized I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't talking to him. I was talking to all the men in my life that, you know, all the other women in my life that had tried to break me. You know? I wasn't talking to him. And he then, you know, argument kind of like, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're being like this and you're kind of trying to make me like this. And I'm not, you know, the usual kind of argument that you have when two cu a couple is separating. And he, um, he said, I'm, I'm now going to, I'm now, I can't put up this. I'm now going to tell the rest of your family, extended family, what's going on. I cannot put up with this anymore. I can't put up with you anymore. You cannot continue like this. And then he started speaking to people in my extended family. Um, like my mum's best friend and a cousin who were very uh, instrumental when we were getting married in the wedding and um, I, I was like my god I'm going to get gaslighted I'm going to get this I'm going to get this and he set up bless him he set up a mediation service <laughs> a family one where, which wasn't really one it was a meeting at my mum's best friend's house um, and my mum wasn't there um, my my twin brother my twin brother's wife, my younger brother, my younger brother's wife, my cousin, my cousin's wife, and him. He was, he, his side, he was by himself. And I was there. And I just like let rip. And I was like, da, da, da. And like, this is, and you did this A, B, and C. And then he, he did a little bit like you did this. And then I just, I remember going into that meeting and there was a prayer that we pray, Muslims pray. We're not really not sure about something, actually. And uh, although in my head, I think I was sure I was going to get divorced. I actually did this prayer because it was like, you know, if this is good for you, you pray. If this is good for you, God, make it easy for me. And if this decision is bad for me, then incline me away from it. 
something Ooh. similar to that. I'm not doing, again, I'm not doing the Arabic any justice <laughs> and the prayer any justice. And I remember praying this prayer. And I remember going into this meeting, like Adam and I'm going to, you know, say, you know, this is it. This is in front of everybody. This is how you treated me and da da da. And like, um, and he was like, why in the hell? Why are you kind of um, being like this? And and then there were certain things that he said that I realized was a way I had completely misunderstood him. It was a few things that he said. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then there was like some cultural misunderstandings because obviously I was brought up here. He was brought up in Karachi. Some things to do with humor and their humor is a little bit, can be a little bit more cutting, but they don't necessarily you know, I like that. And then my sister-in-law's were saying, well, you know, that's not like, you know, that's not anything. That's no big deal. And my, I mean, I remember your brothers were like that towards me that when I used to be like this and then we kind of had a, a you know, understanding that I wasn't meant, you know. And then, and then there were like loads, loads, loads of things that were kind of like ironed out. And all I remember was, I don't know, this is like this shift, my my sight just shifted. I remember I still had this, what I call, I've got like this dark heart of gold because I love mm-hmm. in a very different way. Um, I still, my heart was like closed. It didn't feel any love towards him. But I remember just looking at him and I could see the love he had towards me. And I was like, Tiny, do you realize he's the only one from his side? Like he doesn't have any family. He hasn't brought any family. He hasn't brought any friends. The rest of they're all your side, right? And and I thank God everybody in the room was actually being quite very neutral. They weren't actually mm. taking sides. Mm. They weren't taking my side. They weren't. They weren't saying, "Oh, Tanya, you know, oh my God, you're so you're, you're so wonderful," and you know, my husband, you're, you know, they weren't doing that. Thank God. And I just looked at him. I remember looking at him, just shifting. I just shifted my gaze, and I just realized. It was like, you know, forget this stupid paradigm that you've kind of obsessed with. He, he's not gaslighting you. This thing mm-hmm. that you had that you feared that you would gaslight. He's not this narcissist. He's not this evil man. And you are, yes, you are very sensitive and everything else. But, you know, life is not black and white, Tanya. And can you see how much he loves you? And he's still willing to fight for you. And he said in this meeting, and he's been saying it for the last seven months, that he's very, very sorry. The thing that he hardly ever said in majority of your marriage, he refused to say. But he's a guy and he loves you. And you need to like let go of your fears and give him a chance. And I basically said, you know what? And then people in the in the meeting were like, Tanya, can you just like forgive this, forgive this, forgive this? And I remember just in that split second saying, Okay, I'm gonna give you another chance, but I do not want to be treated A, B, and C. And these are all my witnesses, all these people in the room. If you ever treat me like this again, take me for granted, then you know these people, I'm gonna come back to all these people and say that you did this again. And I am willing to give you a chance. And we went back together um, to our house. I didn't like go back, you know, to sleeping with him straight away. I needed a, a, a week or so to kind of um, 
And I was like, my God, what has happened? I didn't realize I was going to do this. But it made me raise my standards in my marriage to how I was treated, how he was treating me, how I treated him. And when he started treating me like a queen, I started treating him like a king. The joy that I found in my marriage I didn't have in the 20 plus years that I've had. I respected me. He started to respect me. And since then, I'm not saying our marriage has been like always wonderful and ecstatic and, you know, um, it's the second honeymoon period forever and ever. No, of course we have our arguments, but it's, was, it's, he never takes me for granted. Never, ever has since February 2018. And I never, ever take him for granted. And the conversations are a lot more deeper. We celebrated our 25th anniversary in October. Um, and it's like, I in those seven months, it's like I, I don't know if you're familiar with that Inanna myth. I feel like I, I kind of went down like the Inanna, the, you know, she went, that goes down to the underworld and then I came back up. That's yeah. how I feel. You know what happened to me? Um, so that was my dark, the seven months of my dark night of the soul to answer your question. Christ. So anyone listening who's under the illusion that a dark night of the soul is going to be one night, it's, it's not. <laughs> like that's the, that's the moral of this story. Like if you feel like you're coming into a dark night of the soul, you need to buckle up. <laughs> um, oh, there's so much to dig into. I mean, I think I just want to honour you first and foremost for, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that story and for being so open. And I also really want to honour your courage because it takes a lot to recognize when something isn't right for you in your life and it's very very difficult to to choose better and that sounds stupid but it's very difficult to opt out of familiarity when that familiarity is something that's causing you pain and I think I mean, there are so many tangents we could go off on in this episode, and I'm going to try not to go in too many directions. But I think there's a lot to be said for um, when we're in certain mind spaces, there's a lot to be said for the things that influence us. So like you said, that you, you very much got in your head about, you know, the paradigm of narcissist versus empath. And I think it's very important to, to recognise the impact that those things can have on us when we are vulnerable like that I think it's also very important to point out how like you've just beautifully demonstrated how it plays out you know two people getting married you know marriage is this you know this thing that's put up on a pedestal and it's glorified and it's every like not everybody's aim but for a lot of people it's their aim you know I want to get married I want my day I want to be dressed up beautiful and I want to have that gathering and very few people focus on what a marriage actually is which is actually two completely separate people coming together and trying to create a harmony and it isn't just about navigating life which can be an absolute shit show at the best of times but it's also you're bringing with you every every time you were hurt every time you were disrespected every time you felt pain every time you know and all the good stuff too 
but it's almost like as we walk through life we're we're carrying a backpack and every time we experience something it, it's like a, a stone is given to us and we put it in the backpack if it's a negative experience right and so when two people come together in a marriage there's all of that stuff underneath the surface that you just yeah. wouldn't know like you would have no idea and you know I just think it's amazing that your husband got to hear you speak your truth about how it was for you growing up and and then he was like oh I had no idea you know and it actually explains so much about behavior you know and why we have to feel safe and and why we need certain things um so I really just wanted to honor you for for recognizing that I really want to honor your husband for hanging on <laughs> because to me like <laughs> But to me, that's what you promised to do in a marriage. And I'm not saying for one minute that anybody should stay in an unhappy marriage. I'm divorced. I'm now in my second marriage. I absolutely know that sometimes it's not a good fit and it's not right for the mental health of the two people and it has to split. But, you know, me and my husband now, like you say, marriage is not, it's not all roses. It's not going to be plain sailing all of the time. There are, there are choppy waters to navigate and I think it's a true testament to him and to you and to your union that you both stuck it out through all of the pain and all of the uncertainty. And how beautiful that your family actually did what they promised. So I don't know what it's like for marriage in your culture, but when we get married, we make we make promises to each other. But there's always a bit in the service where they throw it to, I was going to say throw it to the audience. You can tell I'm a performer. They throw it to the congregation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they throw it to yeah. the congregation and they say, now, do you promise to support these people in their marriage? And yeah. everyone goes, yeah. And actually it doesn't happen nearly yeah. as much as it yeah. should. And how yeah. amazing, like, I'm just, I, I'm so lit up that you had that support and, you know, for anyone that's listening to this, that's now thinking, holy shit, I don't want a dark night of the soul. I just want to like bring you to the other side of it now, because the, the fact of the matter is you were always going to come back up. Like you, you described that as kind of going underground and coming back up. You were always yes. going to come back up with or without your marriage, with or without your husband, with or without any of the things that you thought you needed because that's the point it's a dark night of the soul and I know we've joked about the fact that it's not one night it could be months or even <laughs> years for some people but the point is a period of night time is just that it's a period of time and the sun always rises again and so whether your dark night of the soul is 24 hours or 24 months or you know hopefully no longer than that it's about recognizing that there's going to be light again you are going to resurface again and I think it can be very, very empowering to know that you're going to be held, you're going to be supported and you're going to be OK, even if when you come back, things don't quite look the way that they did before. Um, so I think and, that's important to say as well. And, um, you know, like I remember feeling the I mean, yes, I just hired I hired my online coach, um, you know, December. But there was several months where I was completely, you know, like trying to navigate this, what I would call a shit storm by myself. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, like 
yes, I have a lot of very good friends and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the caring profession and, you know, lots of people were sympathetic, but I realized a lot of it, I needed to figure this out myself. And it literally yeah. felt like, you know, leaving, um, leaving Egypt, leaving, mm. uh, leaving Egypt and the comfort of, you know, the you know the the everyday and the crappy wages of I don't know you know the slaves whatever you know mm. and and going into the wilderness R- literally it just felt like that's what I had to do I had to leave Muslims will relate to this I had to leave my Mecca and go into Medina I mm. had to leave what I you know all the, all my physical I never I remember there was times that I was sleeping on my mum's luckily it was a very very comfortable a bed. And it was like, I'm so glad I've got a bed to sleep on because I don't know tomorrow where I'm sleeping. Mm. Like, I literally don't know because of how I felt the tension of in, in my own household. Um, do I sleep at my friends? Do I sleep at my mum's? And it, it literally was, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a roof over my head. I really don't know what I'm doing. There was times I really did not know what I'm doing. And, I, and it, it birthed my business. Uh, this business that I always wanted to set up and I never really got time to do it birthed my I mean whether it came as an accident a synchronicity a coincidence the fact that you know my business was birthed during this dark night of the soul is you know I you know and then like a year later I'm I'm like hosting my own online summit 2017 I do I witness as a as a customer an online summit and then 2018, um, December, I'm hosting my own online summit with top coaches. I mean, I would never have thought when I was going through my dark night of soul that I would be this transformational coach and this, you know, advisor to other thought leaders and millionaire mm. coaches. You know, um, you know that's this how is people, what that's I love. Who, who hire me now? Yeah, Those are the this is people that hire me. This is what I love. This is exactly what I love for two reasons. First of all. When you're in a dark place, when you're in a, a, a period of struggle, um, it feels endless. It feels like you've got there and you're never getting out. And you're beautifully illustrating that that just isn't the case. I also think that, you know, you said, oh, I don't know if this business was birthed because of, you know, it was coincidence or synchronicity. I fully, fully believe that magic happens when we align to our own truth. And in other words, when we finally decide what we will and won't stand for, when we finally decide that we're worth it, like in the face of anything trying to tell us that that's not true. This is what I love about your story, because you could list, I'm sure, 25 bajillion reasons why you wouldn't be worthy of that. Right. Why you wouldn't be worthy of that success, of that happiness and and of any of that. And yet you knew in your soul that you were worthy of it, even if it didn't look that way on the surface. And and the beautiful thing is you didn't know how that would then transpire. You know, you didn't you didn't put yourself in in your hole and go, oh, when I come out of this, I'm going to have a coaching business. You were just like, wait, this isn't it. Like, I don't know what this is, but this is not it. You know, I'm worth more. I'm available for more. And that beautiful prayer that you shared as well. Um, And I do want to go into this tangent a little bit, but that beautiful prayer that you shared about if, if this is meant for me, make it easy. Like, I just think that brings me to tears because it's so beautiful. 
And I think this is such an amazing conversation. I think any Muslims listening are going to be so touched by your story. I'm sure they're going to find synchronicities in it and others as well, to be fair. Like anybody that's ever been in any relationship, whether that's a, a romantic relationship or a career, you know, there are plenty of people in toxic jobs right now with toxic bosses and, you know, you can choose more, whether that's romantic or career or health or whatever it may be. So I think your story is going to resonate with so many people, but I feel that we have a real opportunity right now to really give you a voice as a Muslim, to really illustrate the beauty of that religion and of what you all stand for. So I want to, thank you, thank you, Lily, for that. Um, and I'm I'm now going to kind of say that for me, it's being being a Muslim is beyond just um, this is not evangelizing or anything. It's about somebody that submits to the truth. And right. you could be a Christian and be that. Yes. You could be an atheist and be that. Actually, yes. As long as you submit and surrender and you have value for the truth you know that is what a true human being is um yeah aside from um you know how those rituals look like or whether you go to church or mosque or synagogue or whatever you do it i, I don't think it really matters because i was looking for the truth I, I was searching most of my life i searched for the truth um and you know it it wasn't the easiest journeys and I really wouldn't want that's why I I do what I do because I want people not to have that transformation in seven months I want you know for them to have it you know (laughs) an actual night one night (laughs) one coaching session (laughs) oh I think Um, it's amazing you know when I'm when I'm doing these interviews I'm always listening to what my guests are saying because I I know at some point I'm going to come to write the show notes for this episode and I'm going to come up with a title for the for the episode and I always I it always feels like it's difficult at first and then it always comes through as some divine download and what I just heard then when you were speaking was seek your truth so that is going to be the title of this episode seek the truth because there is the truth it's not my truth or your truth it's seek the truth yeah and that's, when you that's, seek the truth, it will always find you. It will always I love. be there for you. A hundred percent. And I love that you've highlighted that because that's how I see it as well. I believe, you know, I was I was raised as a Christian. Um, and for a long time, that was my that was my like blueprint. Right. I didn't really know. I didn't even know to look outside of that. And then, of course, you do religious studies at school and you start to learn about these other religions. But there was very much this idea of, you know, like almost like teams like we're the Christians and so this is the way and God bless the other people who've got their ways like we don't really think that they're right but you know love them anyway and as I got older I started to think but I I genuinely can't see the difference and that might be that might like be quite triggering to hear for some people a bit like when somebody says I don't see color and I don't mean that there aren't differences there absolutely are of course But what I mean is at the core of what we're all reaching for and at the core of what we believe, it is that it's the truth. Like you just said, it's about 
exactly. recognizing that you're being guided, whether you call that guidance God or Allah or the universe or angels or Trixie, it doesn't matter. Like it's having oh. that faith. And I think, you know, I talk about faith a lot and I always feel like I have to caveat that by saying, this isn't a religious thing. I'm not saying you've got, I'm not saying you've got to believe in a and, bearded and that, man in the sky. And that's why my, most of my, um, most, some of my best friends are atheists. Some yeah. of my best friends are atheists, but they're, they're still seekers of the truth. They yes. still seek the truth. Um, yeah. Some of my best friends are rabbis. Some of my best friends are pastors. Um, and so it, it it's like, you know that diversity of faith or, or of mm. no faith is so damn important otherwise yeah. this world will be pretty boring totally I just want to touch as well because you've mentioned how you now help people so and I said that I wanted to get to the other side of the dark night so just for anyone that's hanging on going please tell me that there's a happy ending to this story <laughs> I mean I think you already can tell that there's a happy ending to this story but how has that how has that experience now impacted you? What is it that you are now able to do for others as a result of what you went through yourself? So that that particular seven months of hell led to, to heaven. Mm. Um, and then it led, as I said, to the founding of my business. And um, it also led me to find a very powerful um tool called shadow alchemy um and that, mm -hmm. that was back in a year ago um no is it a year ago july 2019 i found um a very inspirational coach she's a thought leader called lorna johnson and um i i mean i'm as, as you know i'm trauma trained i'm a psychodynamic counselor i've studied jung um and um, when I found out, I actually realized kind of what I, what I actually went through in my seven months. Um, and basically shadow alchemy is, um, it's Jung's ideas and Carolyn Miss, who's another Jungian analysis, the her ideas really very um, simplified and for me, I would say spiritualized. And um, is you know we all have energy patterns within our psyche called archetypes mm. that run our show, that run the show, and then there's you know they run the show for the whole human species actually. Mm. The majority of people are totally unconscious that that is the case. Right. And um, there are four. And this is what I teach. I developed shadow alchemy into what I call Muslim alchemy. And again, the people that are interested in this aren't are usually actually interesting enough, not Muslims. Um, and what I this is what I teach, and it's led. I teach the the four main shadow archetypes, mm -hmm. which are survival archetypes, which are fear based archetypes that keep you afraid, like I was. Mm. Um, that keep you afraid. And they are the prostitute, the child, the victim, and the saboteur. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you, when you learn to identify who these archetypes are with truth rants, you know, by standing in your truth, standing for the truth, standing by the truth, you alchemize them into the light archetypes, which are 
the uh, lover, the sovereign, the warrior, and the magician. And this is what I teach to my clients. And it's led to my private coaching clients having the last, the last person I worked with, again, this is not her real name. I never give real names out. Her, um, her, this is a false name. It's her, I will call her Liz. She started working with me in my mastermind in Ju July 2020. Um, her coaching business was offline, was decimated because of COVID. She mm. was having zero revenue come in. I just taught her about the shadow and the light archetypes. And she generated $45,000 into her house. I mean, this is the power of, of this work, right? And I really just want to take a pause because I think we so often now, we've become a little bit immune, I think, to when we hear numbers because so many people have used that as marketing in the online space. So you, like, you can't scroll Facebook or Instagram without seeing somebody going, oh, you know, do this thing and you'll get 10 grand or do this thing and you'll be a millionaire or whatever. And I think like we become a bit immune to it, but it's truly powerful. That energetic work, that deep work, if you can find a mentor that can guide you through that, it will have that impact. And it's, it's not about the money, but the truth is money is the, it's the, the physical it, it's the physical energy right it's the it's energy but we can hold it in uh, our hands and it's how we money value. money is energy yeah in 3d yeah money exactly. is energy that's a, in 3D. <laughs> that's a better way of saying it and it's about an exchange you know and it's it is just it's just that simple um and oh god we could go into a whole other conversation but you know I've had a few conversations on this podcast recently about money and it keeps coming back. And I think it is important because so many people are, um, they're prisoners of their own money story. They're prisoners of their own um, lack of understanding around what it really means to have money. And there's so much, so much false um, idea about what it means if you've made money or what it means if you're, if you're taking money from others, right? Um, yes. Like you said, when yes. you found that mentor, that mentor that's given you so much, and yet, you know, when she gave you her price, your reaction was, holy shit, that's a lot of money. And then all your friends were like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. And then we, we say to ourselves, oh, I shouldn't have that. I, you know, I mustn't do that. It's not worth it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it obviously people must do their due diligence, right? Don't just go flinging your money at anyone you find on the internet. There are going to be people who unfortunately want to take advantage of somebody if they're in a vulnerable state, Definitely. but actually... I think that those are few and far between. I think you can, again, it comes back to trusting yourself, trust yourself to know like your, your um, conscious reaction was shit. That's a lot of money, but your soul was like, go do it. I did the same thing when I like, we're both B schoolers, right? I did yes. the same thing when I signed up for B school consciously. I was like, holy fuck, how am I going to find two grand? Like I, I can't find two grand, but something inside me was like, this is this is something for you to do and there's an important distinction as well because there's definitely been times when I've purchased a program or some coaching or something from an energetic belief that on my own I can't do it and that on my own I'm not enough and you made a brilliant point earlier that you can have the friends and the and the mentors and everything around you but actually 
at times you're going to stand on your own. And that might that might sound frightening to people, but don't let it frighten you because you have been given everything you need to come through everything that's coming for you. And I think this last 12 months that we've just gone through has yeah. underlined that because we haven't people haven't had the capacity to be there for each other. You know, so many people yes. I've seen yes. going, oh, you know, nobody's reaching out to me. Nobody's asking if I'm OK. No, because they're not okay, right? They haven't got yes, the mental capacity definitely. to even think about that. And definitely. I'm someone, like, I came into this, you know, this pandemic with a lot of self-development under my belt, with a very strong spiritual faith, and I mm. struggled. And it, even yes. I found that I couldn't, you know, I would then go, oh, shit, I haven't even texted my friends for weeks because it's not even been on my radar because I've just been trying to get up and put one foot in front of the other. And so yeah. it's important to recognise that. Of course, we're not supposed to do it on our own all of the time. And so we do have these beautiful connections and we have these. This is why I love this podcast, because I get to introduce amazing people like you to all the amazing people that are listening. And anybody listening, your, your soul already knows if this is for you. You can already feel it. You will have a list of reasons why it might not be a good idea, but that is not coming from your soul. That's coming from your fear. Tune into what you know in your heart. And when I signed up for B-School, so I actually, uh, I prayed a prayer because it had got to the last week where they were closing the doors on the, I don't know, the Friday, say. And I, it was on the Monday and I was like, oh, I really want to do this, but I don't know if I should because in all honesty, I'd managed to score some part payments, but in all honesty, one part payment was all the money I had. So I was literally thinking, do I feed my children or do I <laughs> do this course? And it was like, you know, I'm going to be a terrible person if I put the course ahead. It's 11-11, which is a significant number if you're into angel numbers, by the way. Um, and I was like, ah, oh. so I wrestled with it and it got to the Wednesday and I went to bed and I was like, look, do you know what? just give me a sign if I'm supposed to be in a bit like the prayer you mentioned. I mean, I didn't do it in Arabic and it definitely wasn't as yeah. beautiful, but I basically said, if this is supposed to happen for me, let me wake up and be absolutely certain that that's what I'm supposed to do. Even if I can't see yeah. how, even if I can't yeah. see if it's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. And I woke yeah. up the next day and there was nothing. I was like, no, I still have no idea. But then I woke up on the Friday and I literally opened my eyes and I went, oh, I'm doing B-School. It was literally like, we're doing it. And I went to my favorite coffee shop and I put in my number and I paid all the money out of my account that I had on that first installment. And as I did it, something lit up in my body. And I was like, I've just made a really important decision for myself. And I yeah. trust that I trust that I'm going to be held. I trust that this is going to work out. And I've told this story before, but I literally went. I literally went to check my bank afterwards to be like, let's just see how bad this really is. And almost the same amount of money was still in the account. And I was like, oh shit, did that not work then? I'm, like, I'm sure it said it was authorized, but the money's still there. And then I was like, well, maybe it hasn't gone out straight away. Looked at the list and, and I was like, no, they've had the money. So how is the money still there? And then when I checked my emails, a client, so this would have been, February or March I think it must have been February because yeah. that's when B-School runs isn't it yeah so this was right. February I'd been booked to sing at a wedding the following September and for some unknown reason that couple in that moment decided oh we're just gonna pay you that never ever ever happens you get as a singer <laughs> you might take a deposit 
but you always get paid on the night. It was always in my contracts. I always said, if you want to shoot me 50 quid, you can, but it's cash on the night. And for some ungodly reason. That that is such a weird, that is such a weird story, but it's a very similar to story what happened to me recently. So I've never had this happen. This is like for coaches that are listening or people that want to be coaches you're probably going to think this this couldn't have happened but it happened so <laughs> I hired um a, a business coach in August of 2020 yeah and just before I hired him or oh, was it before was it before yeah no yeah it was afterwards after I hired him one of my clients it was before I hired him one of my clients came on to me she just actually finished working with me and she she came on and she said I want you to like I want to do this stuff that you're doing this Muslim alchemy stuff I want you to teach me it and I, I, I've um, I'm, I'm ready I'm ready I wasn't ready before but I'm ready now I want one of your most intensive you know um, containers and I'm like she had stopped working with me and she was begging me to like sell her this program which I hadn't even <laughs> like you know I was working on it I hadn't even got it was the most weirdest clarity call ever <laughs> and um she paid me um and then I then hired my business coach which was like the most weirdest thing yeah it was I like just... the most This is the thing, right? And people struggle to really believe this. And I'd actually, before B-School, I'd I'd fallen into the same rabbit hole as you. And actually our stories are very synchronistic in terms of timing. Um, I, I keep saying this, but I actually believe there was a mass awakening in 2018. So many people suddenly, like, it's almost like they just stopped what they were doing and was like, wait, there's something more for me and I'm going to go after it no matter what the cost right um so our stories are very synchronistic but I'd fallen into the same rabbit hole as you in the online space and be like oh my god online coaching oh my god mindset work oh my god like I want to learn all this stuff and I kept hearing people talk about oh I you know I made a decision to hire this coach or do this program and magically the money appeared and every time I'd hear that I'd be like bullshit like there's no way that's like <laughs> there's no way that that happens all right I magically want a Porsche where's my Porsche right I, and I don't know why I say Porsche because I really wouldn't like a Porsche but I, it's always the example that I use but you know so I was always like bullshit whatever and this is the thing I think when it comes to energy work you know lots of people talk about manifestation and I think the mistake that I've made in the past and I'm sure if I made it then others have made it too It's the mistake of believing that manifestation is something that you have to do. Like manifestation is something you have to go and get. And actually it's not. It's just about recognizing what you want, knowing you can have it, clearing any thoughts or beliefs that are telling you otherwise in the moment. So that isn't, again, it's a bit like the dark night of the soul. It's not something you're going to do one time in your journal and then you're done. It's like, you're going to do that shit for your whole life. (laughs) Like every time you think something like, oh, I can't do that or that's not possible. You shift the energy around it and it truly, truly works. There's a check sat on my desk right now that came, I've just finished doing this 30 days of wealth consciousness, which just had phenomenal results. And it was, it was really just a personal experiment that I did for shits and giggles. I just thought, I wonder what would change in 30 days if I just threw everything at it. And this check arrived out of nowhere 
from an energy supplier that I haven't used for 10 years. And all of a sudden they were like, oh, um, when you closed your account, um, we owed you all this money. And we're just now deciding to tell you and let you have it back. I was like, what? <laughs> like, it really does happen. And I think, you know, it's not magic. It's just we are all energetic beings. Everything is energy and money is energy too. And I think what I'm learning is it's this constant stream. It's this constant flow that's always available. It is, but- it is magic. It's you being in your magician. It's yeah. when you stop listening to your saboteur, your your mind that you know wants everything in you know like order and you know it's you being in your magician you knowing mm. it is magic mm. yeah it's magic I love it I'm, I'm glad you said that because I am actually someone who I just love to believe in magic I've got a, a band on my wrist that says expect miracles which I think is it's just another way of expressing that in any moment something magical can happen you know, it doesn't matter how how dark your dark night of the soul might feel. It's, you know, expect those miracles. Start, you know, I think we're kind of conditioned to expect it all to go wrong, aren't we? You know, especially people that, that struggle with anxiety like me. It's, you know, and I always thought I was a positive person, but I realized that my default setting is if I get anything good, I kind of just expect it's all going to go to shit at some point. And I think that's just because we watch films and we read books and we watch mm-hmm. soap operas where that happens mm-hmm. you know somebody's happy and they're about to get married and then suddenly the church blows up and everybody dies and like that's constantly being fed into our subconscious so we we expect it all to go wrong and I love this reminder on my wrist that no expect miracles too um because actually both are always available and it's your choice what you decide to look at and you know your story that you told Yes, it was a horrible time and you called it seven months of hell. But even in your story, you highlighted those moments where you were like, oh, my God, I get to have a bubble bath. Oh, my God, I can choose how to spend there my were, evening. There were many moments of me. I remember there was this one that I I feel like I met my future self. It was just the most weirdest of I'm walking to where I was staying with my friend's house and walking there. And I remember just meeting my future self and my future self saying to me, you know, you're going through hell right now. It's not going to be the way forever. Mm, mm. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you're going to come out of this. Um, where I am right now is a really brilliant place, you know, and I, it was the most disconcerting experience meeting your future self. Mm. Um, and I could see her. I could I, I met her and she was trying to comfort me. And I think that kind of helped me through the dark night. Yeah, that's beautiful. What a beautiful way to finish this conversation. Thank you so much. I've loved it. Um, Just for anybody listening, Tanya is very kindly offering a free breakthrough session with her. So um, and you were very you were very clear when you when we were talking about this off air at the beginning that it's not so much coaching in fact you can call it any label you like but you just said I will bring people back to where they need to be basically so anybody that anybody listening who feels like (laughs) they're maybe having a dark night of the soul maybe you're in a dark night of the soul maybe you're just terrified that you might have a dark night of the soul (laughs) whatever it's a free session you can sit down with Tanya 
you can tell her your situation and she can explain more to you about the way that she works and 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 hopefully give you some tips and some strategies to move forward from there so Tanya thank you so much for offering that we'll put all the links in the show notes um, and I am actually going to go back through the episode and make sure that we link to all of those wonderful references you gave as well because you mentioned some some great people there too uh, so everybody listening I hope that you love this episode as ever you can let me know what you thought if you click the links in the show notes you can email me you can send me a voice note and guess what you guys have actually been doing that and it's it, I told you it made my day when you guys email me when I hear your voice it literally makes my day so please send more of those because it, it, that's a dollop of joy right there for me when I open my email and somebody's left me a little love message. So you can use that voice note for anything you like if you just want to tell me what you thought. If you've got questions for Tanya um, or for me, you can do that as well. And obviously I'm going to be live as well this Thursday. So you can join me then as well. I'll be on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and you can come and join me there and ask your questions. So Tanya, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you, thank you. And to everyone listening, remember confidence is yours as soon as you choose it. I'll be back again very, very soon. But in the meantime, look after yourselves and have a good week. Lots of love. You've been listening to Lily Badcock on the Confidence Academy podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Please show me some love by subscribing to the show and giving it a rate and review on iTunes. And make sure you never miss another episode by joining my mailing list. You'll receive daily channel guidance from my soul to yours, as well as a heads up about all of the exciting things that go on over here in Lilyland. You can join the mailing list by clicking the link in the show notes or visit lilybadcock.com for all of the information. Also in the show notes are all of the links to the resources that we mentioned in today's episode, so do go and check those out when you get a moment. Don't forget to come and join me over in the Confidence Academy Facebook group where you can post your questions and comments for me and my incredible guests. And of course, if you know anyone who needs this show in their life, please feel free to share this episode with them. Thank you again for being here. See you again soon. Mwah.